0: This week, we're going to talk about the planning side of end of life. We're going to talk about your legacy. We're going to talk about what you want. We're going to talk about your legal, financial, things that you need to consider. This part is incredibly important. It's crucial. And not only will it give you a peace of mind, but it'll give your family peace of mind too. Because all of what needs to be decided has already been decided by you, for you. If you want the details of how to plan, what to plan, how to talk to your family, then keep listening. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to reflect what's important to you. Do you want a funeral? Do you want a memorial service? Do you want a graveside service? Do you want to wear something particular when you're buried? Do you wanna be cremated? Do you wanna donate your body to science? These are just a few of the decisions that you are gonna think about when you're planning for the end of your life. Some other things that you'll plan, who do you want to have what when you go? Do you wanna donate your money to an organization that you are passionate about. There are all kinds of things to plan. And one of my goals with Death Matters is to create a checklist of sorts, use other resources that you can use to help with your planning, because it's a lot. And the last thing I wanna do with this is overwhelm you. So I'm gonna provide resources for you to use while you're planning. So step one, Reflect, write these things down so you don't forget. And then the next step would be to talk to your family, have an open, honest conversation and let them know what you want. And keep in mind, there are a few things that you should really make sure of before you have this conversation. The first thing I would suggest, have this conversation in a comfortable environment for everyone. Whether it be in your home, or you want to do it somewhere neutral, like a cafe, or if you want to do it at the library, just somewhere that everybody can relax. The other thing, bring up this conversation when everyone is on good terms. That can be tricky, but it's worth it and trying to have a conversation this important and this impactful when people are on the outs is not a good time to have that conversation so keep that in mind if there's rifts between your family members consider trying to work on those before you start this conversation and then there are some families and some people that you just have to get it out there for example my mom my mom gave me no warning when she started talking about her death and the more she talked about it i still don't understand but i got comfortable with it because i knew somehow she found joy having these conversations so if you're a family member of somebody that tries to bring up these conversations listen actively try to keep an open mind and try not to shut them down because if you shut someone down when they're trying to talk to you about something so incredibly important, they may not open up again. And that's really important to remember. So although you feel awkward or you feel uncomfortable with this conversation, it needs to be had. And sometimes you just gotta suck it up. I'm just being real about it, right? We're friends. So you have the conversation. It gets it off of their chest and brings them comfort and gives you an idea of where they've started planning the end of their life. Something else to consider when you're having these conversations is be open to feedback. People wanna give suggestions, they want an interaction. So if you say, well, I wanna be cremated and I wanna be spread over this mountain or the Grand Canyon, which I don't know if you can do, but, That would be pretty cool if you could. Your niece, nephew, sister, whomever says, "Mm, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, we used to go here with mom and dad a lot. Wouldn't you want to be spread there? Consider it, sleep on it, think about it. Give it some serious thought because it took a lot for that person to give that idea and that suggestion. So it's definitely a give and take. Now, at the end of the day, These are your wishes if you're the patient. If you're the family member, it's important for you to listen to that person's wishes and respect them. The next thing we're gonna talk about is legacy. I love legacies. I think they're so cool when you leave something for your loved ones to come, maybe children that haven't been born yet, or even those close to you now, you leave a legacy. And what I mean by legacy is if you have a skill or there's a family favorite recipe or craft you used to do, whatever the case may be, whatever you're known for, leave it for your family. I'll tell you a story. So my mother-in-law started her own cookbook. It's all these recipes that my wife loves and the first year we were together, she printed this cookbook off because it's on a website somewhere, I don't know. She found it and she started it and she's been collecting recipes. So the first year we were together, she printed it off and put it in a binder for us for Christmas and even to this day, now that was in 2019, even to this day, I still use those recipes and she's still with us and she's continued to add recipes to it, but at her passing, I'll have that. We'll have that. I say I because I do the majority of the cooking in our house, but it's Beth's favorite recipes. So it's really important to leave a legacy, leave something behind. I'm sad to say that my mom didn't leave anything, didn't leave a legacy. I would help her in the kitchen growing up make this lasagna. I loved her lasagna. She didn't write down the recipe. I know the gist, and I'm sure that I could Pinterest something similar, but it's not my mom's. And there's a difference. Granted, we didn't measure seasonings. It was one of those situations where you season until your ancestors say, stop. So that's what we did, but it always turned out to taste the same. And while I have an idea of the seasoning she used, I don't know for sure. So really, please, if nothing else, leave a legacy for your loved ones. The other thing that we're going to talk about is your legal and financial considerations. Now, this is not nearly as fun as talking about a legacy, but it is just as important, if not more important, as far as decisions. So let me break it down. You've got power of attorneys. You have a healthcare power of attorney. You have a financial power of attorney. There's your will. There's your living will. There's trusts, if you have a trust. So these things should be figured out ahead of time. So your power of attorneys. Your healthcare and your financial are two separate things. And if you want them to be one in the same person, it would probably make things easier. Now, I am not a lawyer and I am not a professional estate planner. So you should really talk to somebody in that space. I'm just giving you tidbits to, to get started, right? Everybody has to get started somewhere, somehow. So... I would recommend that your healthcare power of attorney and your financial power of attorney is somebody that you trust. And I recommend that because these documents have you elect somebody to make decisions for you in the event you're not able to. So you don't want somebody that you don't trust to have the power to make those decisions. Does that make sense? I would hope so. In these documents also, it lays out what you want in a little more detail and a little more legal jargon. Your wills and then specify who you want to have what, who you're willing to give what to when, you're, when you're, you've passed. I'm sure you've heard a lot of family dynamics can cause some confrontation amongst loved ones. So keep that in mind but having these things written down will help alleviate some of those arguments and some of those fights because you have made the final decision. Makes sense. The whole point of planning the end of your life is to have these decisions made and documented somewhere that's easy to find, easy to follow and Your loved ones don't have to try to figure out what it is that you may have wanted. Like me, my mom didn't have anything written down. And because we had those conversations, I knew what she wanted. But to have to talk to every doctor and resident that came into her room to explain why my 46-year-old mom was a DNR was brutal truthfully and when i was going through her stuff after she passed i found a handwritten note and this is really funny a handwritten note in her dresser and it said it wasn't even in an envelope it was on this teeny piece of lined paper and in like three or four different colors i don't know if she was like testing pen colors or if she was writing with different markers, I really, I don't try to understand my mother. Let me just make that clear. We're a lot similar and a lot different in a lot of ways. But anyway, back to this note. So I found this note in her dresser and it said, and I quote, because I will never forget finding this letter and just giggling. I mean, that's all you can do. It said, I am a DNR. If you try to resuscitate me, And I come back, but then I die again. I will haunt you. My mother threatened to haunt me. But thankfully, because I knew she was a DNR from all the conversations we've had, as far as I know, I haven't been haunted by my mother. That is the gist. Now my website, www.death-matters.com, will give you more resources and some ideas on how to progress further with your end-of-life planning. Your when to start, of course, the sooner the better, but consider some major milestones when you're getting ready to plan. Like now, it's a new year. It's a good time to start planning. We don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't know if we have all next week. We have no idea when. Our last day will be, but we should start planning. Jot some notes down. If you have a diary, start writing what you may may be thinking. Because when you pass, and if you don't heed my advice, which you don't have to, but I highly recommend that you do, they will find that and they'll read that. And it'll give them some sort of glimpse, some sort of idea of what your wishes were. But don't do that. Just start planning, get it all written down, get it in order, do what you have to do. Another thing to consider, I don't know about all states, but here in Arkansas, we have what's called a POLST form, P-O-L-S-T, it's Providers Orders for Life Sustaining Treatment, and it's a single page. And it talks about if you want CPR, if you want to be a DNR, do not resuscitate, and and you want only comfort measures. If you want some interventions, are you okay with ventilation? Are you okay with chest compressions only? Are you okay with artificial nutrition? Do you want a feeding tube? Should that time come where you can't eat on your own? And then your provider, you go over this with your provider and then they sign it. You get the original back, they of course keep a copy, but it goes with you everywhere. It allows you to bring it with you to different appointments or if you go into the ER for whatever reason, you have this form. They have to follow it because those are your wishes. So that's something else to consider. If you're in a different state or a different country, look into what your area has you have any questions or comments, or you have a topic specific that you would like for me to go over on a podcast, leave it in the comments below. If you're listening to this on Podbean or Audible, Amazon Music, give me a review, leave a question there. And of course, always feel free to come to my website, www.death-matters.com. You can also sign up for a newsletter that I plan on starting soon.